Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAs. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming your weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about RHA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show this is why all right guys i literally just had to cut megan off or else she and i would be chatting all day every day and i would never get to pushing play but this is ashley smith and megan megan how do you say your last name in my head it's vigors is that appropriate is that it yeah yeah. Okay. Let's, figure. okay. Let, let's not even go down my maiden name, like rabbit hole, but saying that you'd probably have a harder time with that one. Oh no. Now I have to go down. What is your maiden name? 
I mean, it's not hard. My maiden name is spelled K-L-U-T-E. How, how would you pronounce that? Clut? Clute? <laughs> a lot of people say clue. It's cluty because you say the E as oh, well. No one, no, no one says the no one says the E. Like, how do you know when which ones are silent? You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that's okay. See, we're gonna go down a rabbit hole. Anyways, <laughs> Megan is back. If y'all don't remember, Megan has shared her recovery story. And we just thought, you know, like there's probably not many people talking about like life after. And we just want to do a way better job of that. And Megan, thankfully, is she's she's just such an open book and such a great source of wisdom that we're like, you know what? We're gonna bring her on way more frequently because we one we want to follow up to like what is life after ha like did you die was it the worst thing on earth like what happened and honestly to be honest one of like megan's story potentially could be one of the most extreme cases that we have seen um but I think it's important to share it because during her whole recovery, she was really having to be like, am I doing it wrong? Am I doing it wrong? And I'm doing it wrong. And even in her extreme case, she did not do it wrong. So anyways, so, okay, I'm gonna stop talking. Megan, please just recap everybody about your story, like your HA story, wherever you want to start. Because again, if anybody knows about AJ, it could be a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll try and keep the recap brief just because I did go into more detail in the first episode I was on. Um, but long story short, I started off recovery when I was 89 pounds. And I'm also 5'1", so I'm pretty short as well. So like, obviously, 89 pounds is really thin, but I wasn't on like death doorsteps by any but means pause, but pause I meant to bring this up today um but like you were very lean like would you say that looking at 89 pounds you're like you know I kind of scare myself oh absolutely like on this side I was like yikes and especially like my hair my hair is like night and day different like I love Ooh. my hair now and when I look back at old pictures, I'm like, oh my God, like, where did it go? It was like wispy, but anywho. Yeah. But, but yes, I absolutely, I was absolutely lean. I was absolutely anorexic. Like, yeah, yes, absolutely. I guess I've heard other women's stories where they're like, I was 60 pounds, you know? And I'm like, oh my God. I know that's <laughs> definitely death's doorstep. I still think you're slightly knocking on death's doorstep at 89 pounds. I'll be the... I mean, obviously you're able to do a whole lot of things, but I think like, I remember seeing your picture from 89 pounds and it shook me. I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, okay. And, and, Not that's, and that's, and, and that's fair. And that's fair. Mm -hmm. The reason why actually I like ultimately decided to recover is like randomly, like one day, like I glimpsed like a view of like my butt and my bare butt and, and I basically could like see the bone and I was like oh my god oh, yeah. like that's not okay so that's when like it clicked in my head of like all right I gotta like do something about this but anywho so I decided like I'm gonna recover and I'm the type of person where I think a lot of us are it's like I'm gonna do this like all or nothing so I no. decided to so I decided <laughs> so I decided to go all in 
And within a couple of weeks, I ended up getting extreme hunger. And that just shows like how, you know, undernourished my body was. So I got extreme hunger, like probably one of the worst cases that I've seen just being kind of in the HA community. And two and a half months later, I got my period back. But honestly, like my hunger was still like really high. I mean, I honestly dealt with high hunger for probably six months. And what I came to find out, because I didn't weigh myself throughout this whole process, just because I knew like if I stepped on the scale that I would have gone running backwards. And so like, obviously, like I could tell I was gaining weight. Like I went up so many sizes. I had to buy so many <laughs> rounds of clothes, but I ended up gaining a hundred pounds. And like, mm -hmm. even though I came from like a really lean place, like that was still a shock to my system. And to be quite frank, like this is the first time I'm like saying this, like in a public form, just because it is such a vulnerable thing to say. And I do still worry about getting judged for mm -hmm. how much weight I've gained. Um, and so, yeah, at that point, like once I had two or three periods, then I decided, you know what, it's time to start introducing exercise back into my routine. But I just thought it would be good for everyone to know, like I was trying to introduce exercise back into my routine, like a hundred pounds heavier, like regardless again of like how lean I was, like just imagine even having like a 50 pound weight vest on and someone saying like, now go exercise. Yeah, I remember that season for you because like, I think like we had kind of known how much you gained weight and I kind of actually want to pause like real quick of what were the thoughts, um, what were the thoughts while like you were in the process of gaining this weight and being so unsure? Well, you know I mean, because, like, you know, yeah, yeah just kind of like run me through that. You know what I mean? To be quite honest, once I started experiencing extreme hunger, I was on survival mode. I just wanted to do whatever it would take to make the extreme hunger stop because it was just so miserable. My life was so mm -hmm. miserable at that point because. I felt like I couldn't even like leave the house because like an hour later, I'd be like starving again. And just from like a logistical standpoint, it was honestly kind of a pain in the butt. And then, and like, I was just feeling so miserable that I didn't really realize like kind of what was going on outside of that. It was almost like I was in a fog when like I was just trying to get to my initial recovery period, I would say once I got to my third recovery cycle and I was magically recovered and I'm doing air quotes around recovered because I don't yeah. think <laughs> I was, I don't consider that me being recovered. Um, that's when it set in and I was like, oh, like I have to figure out how to live life 
in this body. And that's when, honestly, I would sometimes get panic attacks, just yeah. thinking about how I was going to survive in this big body. Cause like, I knew it wasn't going to go away anytime soon. Like I knew that I would probably lose weight, but that wouldn't be for like a year. Yeah. So I think that's so interesting because like, I think it can, while it's not easy to say, oh yeah. And then I gained a hundred pounds, but to just like gloss over it and be like, yeah. And then I gained a hundred pounds, you know what I mean? And not kind of be like, so then the mental struggle of putting on that much weight in this short of time, you know, was real. And, you know, like you were doing something that you had never, ever, ever like done before. Right. So think about everybody and or or even heard before or even heard that was okay or healthy. And I'm some, I'm, and I'm sure someone will be like, oh my gosh, what you did wasn't healthy. And to each their own as they're still sitting in their own HA with their judgment. So there's that, you know what I mean? But like to really pause and be like, yeah, so like this is happening and this isn't what I want to happen. But at this point we really can't like stop it because you're just so flipping hungry. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was, it was a very scary time, but it, it, it made me really lean into putting my self-worth outside of how my body looked like, oh, like, yeah. I, like I had to do the work, mm -hmm. like there was no mm -hmm. option, but for me to do the work or I would have not like been able to continue moving on like day after day after day. And I had to get to the point where I just would focus on like, can I just, I remember you tell me, you'd be like, can you just live in your body? Just like kind of focus on living in your body. Don't worry like what it looks like. Just, you know, go about, see how you're like feeling on the inside versus like how you look on the outside. So like, you know, if we're going about our daily lives, like instead of having your weight dictate to you, like, oh, today's going to be a good day because I'm like two pounds lighter, you know? Yes, <laughs> yes. So think <laughs> the, about, yeah. And so then I more would be like, internally, how am I feeling? Do I feel like energized? Do I feel overall just kind of like content and okay? Like, great. That's how I'm going to like, know if today's a good day or a bad day versus letting external factors tell me that. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point is that you had to, you had to like figure this out or else it, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it was one of those things where it's like, oh, not just like, oh, well, I kind of want to do this. Oh, well, I kind of don't want to do this. Oh, you know, like I am going to back out of this. It's like, man, if I don't freaking do this, like, like there's no other way. Like this is it. Like we are here. This is it. This is the only way to make any, like any movement forward. Does that make, I don't know. Maybe I'm not articulating this correctly, but like, I feel like sometimes whenever we, 
Um, just from a coaching perspective, like when I see certain clients recover and not have to gain an amount of weight that makes them uncomfortable, they get to choose to not deal with, oh, you know, I find all my worth in my body. You know what I mean? Not saying that it won't come around for them eventually because everybody has to deal with this. Everyone has to deal with this. I do believe that people who decide to recover in HA, like we're not going to have the midlife crisis at 50. We're not going to like be the grandma that's like, oh, back in my day, I was a model. You know what I mean? Like we're not going to be like traumatizing our granddaughters with diet culture and anything like that. You know what I mean? But like everyone has to deal with this. And so it's like, you had to deal with this. Yeah, I I essentially had to put my ego aside. Like that's what I learned over and over again was I had a big ego. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, we totally talked about this. And I oh this is this is so true for everybody. This is so true for everybody. And anybody who is like really over identifies with exercise or your athletic achievements you may not know this but you actually have a really big ego that's just been praised and been okay and culturally accepted and then whenever you're actually trying to have personal growth it's the ego that kind of pops up and you're like I didn't even know I had this sucker this whole entire time right and the thing is like ego also isn't bad either, you know, but I think it could get a little unbalanced. So tell us about that. Yeah. So where that really played the biggest role is as I tried to add exercise back in. Um, so, so I came from a place, I mean, like all of us here, all of us HAers, like I came from a place where, you know, I was super fit. You would say I was like advanced level fitness, you know, I mean, I was at like the top of my running game where I'm running marathons, you know, I am running like six something minute mile, like pace for like a half marathon to marathon, you know? So it's like, in my running group, it's like, I was always known as a fast person and I was just achieving these goals left and right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I did sustain like a sciatic nerve injury. And so then that's what took me out for a while. And also I think pushed me to recover because I just wanted to get over that injury as well. And so I stopped exercise for five months completely gained a hundred pounds. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to try running again. And I remember the first time I tried running again, like just imagine you even put on a 50 pound weight vest and someone said, go run. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I literally thought like my body was broken or like didn't work anymore. Like before I was used to running where I had almost no body fat. So nothing jiggled when I ran. <laughs> and so, yeah, no. and so not at, a, not at 89 pounds. No, no. So when I tried running again and I have boobs, I have a butt, I have a belly, like everything. You, saw, you like all of a sudden have thighs. You're like, what yes. is chafing? 
yeah so it's just yeah it's like so much was jiggling that it just like horrified me and it's just my body was 100% foreign to me 100% foreign Mm -hmm. to me Mm because like the most I'd ever weighed in my life before all this was like 120 pounds and that was when I thought I was fat at 120 pounds you know so it's like my body has no clue what this new weight feels like or anything like that and I just was so demoralized after that run and I literally thought you know what maybe I'm just never gonna run again like maybe this is what HA recovery means maybe this is why everyone was so worried about if they would ever be able to run again if they would ever be able to exercise again I was like maybe this is why like this is just too hard I'm too ashamed of Mm. the level of fitness I'm at that I almost wanted to give up right then and there and not even try because I was utterly a beginner yes uh talk more about that because I remember that conversation you're like Ashley no like I can't like I can't you know like run I don't think I can freaking do it (laughs) right like you're just like I don't know how to communicate to you that my body like I don't think I don't think I can actually run it so that was I'm sure probably the biggest fear coming crashing down and being like see this is why you should have never done it this is why you should have never gone into recovery look what happened and so it was like it was almost like the second wave of doubt right so like the first wave well probably the third wave of doubt I would say your first wave was like why am I gaining all this what is going on I'm doing recovery wrong and then the second wave was probably like the extreme hunger like what did I do to deserve this why is this so extreme why do I feel like an extreme case and then the third one was like I broke my body see weight gains the devil I broke my body I physically can't run and I remember you trying to explain to me no like I physically can't run Ashley you know what I mean (laughs) I'm smiling I'm smiling super big at all this because I'm just like yep yep that was exactly my mindset and the crazy part is I was so like focused on how like good I used to be at running that the thought didn't even cross my mind that, oh, maybe I have to first begin running and walking. Like in my mind, I just assumed I should, like the I should statements, like I should just be able to like pick back up where I left off or bare minimum, like I should be able to just go run a mile right now. You know, in my mind, like that was just, you can't get any lower than that, you know? So it didn't even cross my mind for probably like a week or two of like, oh, sometimes people have to like walk run in order to build their base. And again, it was just lessons over and over again of me having to check my ego like I just yes. consist consistently like day after day, I just had to check my ego because where I had to start from, I ran for, I would do like 15 to 20 minute runs and I would 
jog very slowly for a minute and then walk three minutes and then you know so do humbling which was oh. so humbling I remember Absolutely. how humbling this was you're like Ashley I'm trying to tell you that I can't you're like I don't know how to tell you this I cannot run in this body and I remember being like no she's right I know I know what she's saying because I remember in the midst of my recovery and for reference I had to gain 40 pounds right and so people are, so for a while I thought I was like the highest person well and I was like well if I didn't die you're not going to die too so everyone's going to be okay everyone just hang on you know what I mean anyways but I remember as I was gaining weight and I thankfully was still able to work out but it's a completely different workout than what I was doing for a million reasons and that's not what this podcast is about but I remember I was squatting one time and it, my body felt so foreign that as I was squatting, I didn't believe it was my body. I was like, it was a sensation. I was like, I've never, like, this is not me. And I had to look in the mirror and be like, okay, it looks like, like, I know that's me, but like what I'm feeling is not me. Um, okay. You know what I mean? Because like something had felt different in my hip pocket when, when I was squatting, like it was hips that I had not felt before. Right. But I remember one of the things, and this is how I knew that ego was like holding you back and was going to be your limiting belief. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like we've got to bust through this or else this is going to be her limiting belief. And I was like, Megan, do you think that you're the first heavier person or heavy set person to ever run in the history of mankind or something like that? I had said something like that and you're like, that's a good point. And then like, and then like you like pushed through and did amazing. Like, I was just like, you go girl. I don't know. But that's when I knew I was like, oh, this is ego. This is ego. That's at play. Yeah. It, again, it was definitely a humbling experience. And honestly, what it took is as you always to quote you, what you always said is like, slow is fast. And so what that meant is I just took everything super slowly, but I was consistent. Like every mm -hmm. week, like, I think I started running like one day a week and then I bumped it up to like two days a week. And honestly, for probably at least three months, I had to do the run walk. And then probably at like month four, I finally like felt like I could solidly run for like maybe 20 minutes. And I finally felt like a glimmer of how my running used to feel. But then again, I still kept it like very slow. Like I would, you know, for the longest time, I would just run like two miles at a time. And, and the approach that I took was to keep, cause throughout this whole time, I kept my cycle consistent. Like I would say by month five, like my cycle was pretty darn consistent. Like I could, it was always between 32 to 34 days long. And so how I was able to keep it consistent is because essentially for like a month, for like a cycle, I would do the same thing. Like, let's say I ran two miles for like two days a week. And if like all was good with my cycle, I was like, great, I'm going to bump it up to like 
three miles, you know? And so it's like, I kept taking it at like a month at a time. And if I ever saw any type of like wobble or like veritability in my cycle, I would just like hold there to let my body catch up. And now I've been back running for a little over a year. So at the beginning of the year, I couldn't run. <laughs> I had to. I had Actually, to run I cannot run. I don't know how to explain this to you. And now being over a year running consistently again, over a year being recovered, I, I still only run twice a week, but I also weight lift three days a week. So in total, it's five days a week of working out, but I run six miles on my shorter day. And then my long runs, I'm up to eight miles and I'm running like a nine thirty pace. And Dude, I just love this. I love this for so many reasons because the thing is, is that we just had someone who recovered and then went full crazy and ran like 10 miles a week, like, you know, like over the week. And of course she lost her cycle. You know what I mean? It's just like, but you can actually get there. Like, I love that you're breaking this down because you can run and ovulate. You can run long distances. You can run and lift and ovulate. That is not off the table. But you can't just go ham after your third ovulatory cycle and think that, like, you can go straight up to, like, 10 miles. Like, that's just, like, not how the body works. Like, I always like to, like, equate it to, like, just because you get the cast off your foot doesn't mean that you go join a double dutch competition that day and that's exactly what happens whenever we don't allow our body to like build up hey are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally i thought that might be you and if so we have created our best ever yet resource for you totally free this is a master class i've called it my master class because i have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA, and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea 
of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. That's, that's absolutely right. And think about it this way, because when, because after my second recovery cycle, I did try to run again. And I would say like for my third and fourth, like recovery cycles, I, I did try running again. And then I think I stopped for a month and I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm tired of like yo-yoing, if you will, because I remember I had to make the big decision to stop exercising to get my first period back. And then as I was trying to add exercise back in, I was like, you know what, I'm so tired of like trying to do something, then having to change like my whole routine again. Like I just wanted to get in like a steady, consistent routine. Like routines feel good to me. It makes me feel good. And (laughs) And so I just told myself, I'm like, look, I would rather go too slow than too fast, you know, because then if I, if I go too slow, I'll never have to cut back again. Cause I think that's what annoyed me the most is I'm the type of person that it's kind of like, once I taste what I can have, I don't want it taken away from me. Like if you're going to give me like a bite of cake, I want the whole piece. Don't just like give me a bite of the cake, you know? So in my mind, I was like, if I just go slow and I also told myself, I'm like, I have my whole life to run. Like I want to be running in my eighties. I want to be one of those like old women where they're like, how she's still running. And so that's what, whenever I get the urge to just like take off and just go like balls to the wall, I just remind myself, like, I'm only 33 now, you know, like I have hopefully like another 40 years of running. So like, what, what, what am I racing towards except for my ego? Mm. Like there's nothing Mm. else. Like, I'm not a professional runner. Yeah. So, (laughs) oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. And so anybody that goes straight into it is, anyone that goes straight into it, either one, just lacks the knowledge, two, is just so worried about serving their ego that they risk everything everything that they've worked for every you know like you know like they've ovulated they've restored ovulation like they're cycling and now you have the opportunity to have it kind of to have it all like you now have the opportunity to run and ovulate but like you chose just to serve your ego in a really short term like 
I don't know, probably three to four weeks before your cycle gets wonky. I mean, hello, like, like you, meaning that like, like, like you going ham only has a lifespan of four weeks before you're back into an energy deficit because you probably didn't also fuel for those miles that you just instantly put back on. Right. And so I think that like, I think ego really, people think it's like, oh my gosh, no, my weight's keeping me or I can't run it in a body like this. And none of those things are true. The thing that's keeping you from making progress in the area of your life that you want is probably your ego. 100%. Like, it's like and- professionally trying new things. The reason why you don't try new things is because your ego. Absolutely. You don't, yeah. Like it's not because you can't learn. It's because you can't do it. It's because you won't let yourself be a beginner, which brings me back to what you had said about being a beginner. Yeah, absolutely. And and part of the reason why I wanted to share how much weight I gained, because again, I don't find joy in just shouting that to the rooftops of the world because yeah. it's very stigmatizing. But I bring that up because I want to show like if I'm the most extreme case you've heard of and I was able to add running back in or whatever your form of exercise is, like that means you can do it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I just want to be open and vulnerable because I know it helps other women. And selfishly, it gives purpose to my recovery journey because then it makes me feel like this is more than just me and that it makes me more okay with my journey the more people that I can help. Because I honestly have moments where... I second guess myself and I'm like, do I really want to share all this? Do I really want to be like super vulnerable? Cause like, these are super personal moments. Like these are embarrassing moments, but I always push myself to share. Cause I know that it helps other women. Yeah. And I think almost just, it's almost embarrassing because not because it itself is embarrassing, but because it's just there, like, you're not going to find anyone that's like, yep, that's a hundred percent healthy and okay. And you did the right thing. Right. But yet like you're going, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure if like a doctor was like listening to this, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, that was the worst advice. I can't believe that. You know what I mean? But they're also the ones saying that you can't heal HA. And they're also the ones that are trying to give hormone replacement you know what I mean and birth control and it's like no like you solved it it just wasn't in a way that everybody agrees with absolutely I mean or like accept you know what right. I mean right like there's there's weight bias by doctors both ways when I was 89 pounds part of the reason why I went down this whole path of figuring out I had HA is because I um, had breakthrough bleeding from the pill and I got a full blood panel done and my blood sugar was like in the forties. They, it was so low. Like if your blood sugar is under 60, they say that people pass out and go to the hospital. And so they they called me like in the evening, like at eight o'clock at night. And I'm like, why are you calling me? And they're like, are you okay? Like people are usually in the hospital with this blood sugar level and so they're like well you have to come back in to get retested because like we have to make sure you're like okay and so I was like all right whatever 
And I went back in and I retested and I was at 63. So I was barely like above passing. And when I talked to the doctor, I was like, oh, you know, I run a lot of marathons. Like I'm just a big runner and this and that. And he was just like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, and so he just let me continue walking along, being anorexic, being underweight. Like everyone saw my weight. Everyone, yeah. all the doctors knew I was underweight, but do you think any of them stopped and said, hey, maybe you should gain a little weight. And like, did you know you're like tanking all your hormones? Like no one ever said that to me. So that's what I like to remind myself when I then have unpleasant experiences being mm-hmm. in a larger body. Cause I'm like, you know what? It goes both ways. You yeah. Know, and I feel like you even, because you've had such a wild transformation, you know what I mean? And not even transformation physically, but like health wise, health wise, you've had such a wild transformation. Like, I feel like you've even now been able to be like, oh, there is a thing such as thin privileged people. And I would have never been able to agree with you on that before, but lo and behold, it's real. Oh, absolutely. I, I sometimes cringe at like what I used to think and say out loud. Like I remember when like then privilege start getting more popular and brought up. And I literally was like, what is thin privilege? Like, that's Mm -hmm. not a thing. Like people are just jealous. (laughs) Like this and that. And now I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Like I understand completely. It goes back to if you've been in a position where you've never felt othered, like Mm. count yourself lucky. But the reason why people throw out words like, thin privilege or white privilege or things like that is because those people feel like they're on the outside Mm -hmm. you know like it it doesn't feel good when you feel on the outside and you don't feel like you belong and like the best thing like we all can do in those moments is like truly listen to people when they Mm -hmm. start bringing things up like that and don't just dismiss them because like no one no matter, and like, I know I'm going on a tangent and getting on a soapbox, but like, no, no, you know, no, no, girl. like no one should ever feel like othered or like they don't belong or they can't show up in a mm-hmm. certain establishment or like they literally want to stay home rather than like go out and live life. Like mm-hmm. if people feel that way, we as a society have done something wrong. Yeah. To not. Yeah make them feel included. Yeah. And so how much, I mean, obviously, obviously there like is thin privilege. You like, I can attest. I have, I have been on the dishing outside and now I've been on the receiving side. Um, but so how did you, how did you start living your life being like, well, I actually don't need y'all's approval of my journey. I don't need, You know what I mean? Like, how did you get back to doing the things that you love, which is like running? Yeah, that's, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) How did you do it, Megan? (laughs) I, I went through a depressive episode after I would say I got my third recovery period because I'm so goal oriented that in my mind, Mm -hmm. I was like, got the first period. Now I'm like laser focused on getting my second period, laser focused on getting my third period. And then I felt like once I was quote unquote recovered, 
it was like I was just released back into the wild <laughs> and I had, I had to like figure out this like new life I was living and that was just not happening for like three months like I just yeah. that's when because that's when I like fully took in like what my body looked like and just I I had enough brain power at that point to like fully take everything in and I just couldn't I couldn't deal with the world I couldn't deal going out in public in my larger body I was just too self-conscious like I could barely get myself to go outside on walks just because like I didn't want my neighbors mm -hmm. like you know seeing me in this larger body and I got to a certain point like there was two catalysts I got to a certain point where I just got tired of that. I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? Like, I just want to go live my life again. And the second big catalyst was I got la laid off and I lost my job. Yeah. So like I had to rejoin society because I had to pay bills and get a new job. And hi society. I know I've been hiding, but now I would like a job, please. <laughs> and, and it was just such a crazy time because when you have to find a job, going through the job, interviewing process is one of the most scrutinizing processes you can go oh through God. because because people are judging you left and right to figure out if you're worth investing in it as is an employee a true judgment situation like no one's yeah. like making it up then no like this is true judgment <laughs> yeah absolutely and so honestly like my the motivation to find another livelihood and not lose my home was part of why I just had to get to the point where I was like you know what in the body that I'm in like I'm hoping like I'm praying that like in a year's time I start to lose some of this weight but this isn't happening today so how am I gonna live life today and so I just started taking the baby steps of like okay like gotta get new clothes like I had to get all new interviewing clothes because none of that fit, you know so it's just one step after the other and like once I just started like surviving events and not dying, not from, dying. Embarrassment, <laughs> from embarrassment, I was just like, you know what? I can do this. And, and luckily, like I had a good support system around me as well. I have a very yeah. loving husband where like, bless his heart, like through this whole process, he has done nothing but like stand by my side and told me that I'm beautiful, no matter what way I've been at. And if anything, he was the one telling me like, you were sick. You were sick. Mm -hmm. You can't go back there. Yeah. I love that. And, and like, I do feel like it was one of those things. Cause like, I remember that time too. And it, and I was like, look here, first off it is okay. Like everyone's like, Oh my gosh, she like took three months to process. No people like, wow. I'm sure it's not enjoyable. Let's be real, but no, the, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend no it. <laughs> but I think sometimes we're, like, I think in society, we don't allow ourselves to process things. And so to take time to process is like, so taboo. So flipping taboo to take time and process. You know what I mean? Because your journey was a fast and a furious. You know what I mean? It was very fast and furious. And there's no way that you could have been processing all along. So like you 
needed to process. And so what that you weren't processing out in the sunshine, you know what I mean? Doing like an influencer, like routine or what, you know what I mean? Like, but like you processed it. So who's to say that like successful processing looks like blank because at the end of the day, whatever your processing looked like, you still were like, when push come to shove, you're like, okay, so we're doing this interview thing, which by the way, y'all, Megan is one of those people who gets a million interviews. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I do not get a million callbacks. Like it's either you meet me in person and you love me and you hire me on the spot or like I get the cold shoulder. I don't know. Next, I mean, I'm never leaving this job, but if I was to ever, I'm going to have Megan write my cover letter <laughs> in her resume because I don't know what magical juju she's got on. But to the point of like, then you have to go straight from hiding to immediately into interviews, yeah. which is pure judgment. 100%. And, and I think even then you were realizing, oh my gosh, I think I lead with my body the past times I was in it. Like, how do I show up for what I can do without relying on my body? Like, how do I, how do I connect with people without relying on my body? How do I articulate? Well, thank you. If y'all can tell Megan is very well-spoken, but how do I articulate and how do I, um, like really communicate with these people that I am the best fit without leading with my body. And just to clarify, like, what leading with my body oh, yeah, yeah. means is that's what gave me my confidence mm -hmm. because I was totally one of those people who was like, Oh, if I'm in a thinner body than you, like I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. And so now I, I couldn't get my confidence from my body. Like I truly had to let my personality shine through. And I was a little worried if my personality was, I guess, good enough, if you will, that people would still like me. And it was a scary process. And I totally fell flat on my face sometimes. I succeeded other times. And in the end, it was a little bit of good old luck as well that helped get me my next job. But I think the one other like soapbox moment I want to have is this is why we don't comment on people's bodies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is how your self-worth gets tied to your body. Like no matter if you're in a thin body or a large body, because like my whole life I was in a thin body and I had a ton of comments where people commented on my body saying, you know, praising me for being thin. I remember mm -hmm. my dad one time told me I was a kid growing up. I think I was like 12. I was always short and thin and I played competitive softball. And that's like the one area where being short and thin is not. <laughs> so I remember telling my dad, like, oh, I wish I was in a larger body, you know, because I wanted to just compete. Like at that point as an 11 year old, I didn't have all this like body issue stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I wish I was in a larger body so like I could compete better with these other girls. And he was like, oh, you'll be thankful when you're older that you have this small, thin body. So like he was already like yeah. getting it into my head that like. Stay here, stay this size. 
don't get any bigger this you know yeah and so and so and so if we're always like praising people for their appearance and this and that then you equate that to your worth and when I got into a larger body people most people 99% of people wouldn't say anything about my larger body but all the praise on my appearance stopped like and the silence the silence is deafening Mm -hmm. like even though they didn't say anything like I knew I Mm -hmm. knew like I knew what they were thinking because they weren't giving me praise as they used to you know so that's why it's like we should all really focus on can you praise people for like their personality their determination Mm -hmm. like their aspirations you know or just say or just say you look good don't say you look good have you lost weight oh my god it's like why, why does looking good have to equate to losing weight totally totally so now that I mean so I mean and I'm excited to bring you back in like a three months to be like now what are you doing you know what I mean so (laughs) I remember I remember I'm pretty sure I remember your first community call and I was like look like you can get your life back you know what I mean like you know what I mean and now I feel like you're on that journey of getting your life back. And getting your life back does not mean being in a smaller body, everybody. So let's just like throw that out there for anyone that's thinking about it. You know I mean, so what does life look like now for you? And how do you navigate leaving your body alone? <laughs> that might be a loaded question. For yeah, like no, no, I... <laughs> I, no, I think that's a fair question and I have a good answer. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Go girl. So what life looks like for me now is how can I do things that I enjoy doing? So obviously I do love to run. I run every week. I actually started meeting up with one of my old running buddies again so I meet up with her every Thursday to go running and honestly it's just it's so nice to have those little things during the week you know um life looks like I like I said I work out five days a week now I weight lift three days a week I run two days a week um I'm you know at my new job newest job I've been here for six months now I'm loving my job I'm able to wholeheartedly focus all of my attention because I'm actually working with one of my old bosses again and I knew her when I was anorexic and she actually made a comment to me one day where she was like she's like you just seem so like focused and engaged and I'm like that's so interesting that you say that probably because when I worked for her before, you know, I was so wrapped up in like my eating and workout schedule that I probably wasn't like the most focused employee, you know? So just hearing comments like that just really brings joy to my heart. Um, You know, my husband and I feel like have reconnected on a better level. and We've done a bunch of like repair work you know, mm-hmm. I am also 
doing Toastmasters again once a week. That was something I had to, again, work up the courage to get back to doing. So I just, I tell feel- people what that is? Oh, <laughs> Toastmasters is to work on your public speaking. So one of the like biggest fears that we all can have when, again, you're getting judged. <laughs> She's a glutton for punishment. <laughs> no. Apparently. Apparently. No, but, um, I, but but it's so good because the thing is like you, in fact, didn't lose your job. You, in fact, got a job while in a bigger body. You, you know what I mean? Like your husband didn't leave you. Like you're, you know what I mean? Like your legs are not broken. You're, you know what I mean? Like you are, in fact, able to run. You <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you're actually running pretty long distances, you know, like you're building strength, all these things. And like, you're starting to like, maybe selectively meet with certain like running people. That's not damaging to your mental health. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, go ahead. And what I also wanted to break down too was because some people may be thinking like, oh, well, you're working out five days a week again. Like sounds like you could be going back to what you were doing like pre HA recovery, you know? And what I would say to that is it's 100% in the mindset, like Mm -hmm. pre HA recovery. Like I had to stick to my workout schedule, no matter what, like no matter what was happening, what emergency was coming up, like I had to stick to my workout. If my body was tired, I couldn't take a rest day. Like I just pounded my body. And also the reason why I wanted to work out so hard was because that's the only way I just thought that I deserved to eat and have food and fuel myself. Now on the flip side, being recovered and working out five days a week, I work out because I enjoy it. I enjoy moving my body. I enjoy the endorphins and the release I get. I enjoy being outside and running, feeling the sunshine, exploring new places. And if I'm just like really tired one day, I'm extra sore, like I take an extra rest day. Like a perfect example is on Sunday, I pushed myself a little harder on my long run than I normally do. And so then I remember on Monday, I was like, oh, my legs are like extra sore. And I was doing like an upper body strength workout. So I was like, meh, like it's fine, whatever. Then come Tuesday, like my legs were still sore from running and I was supposed to do a leg day workout. And I was just like, you know what? My legs are too sore. Like I can't do like a heavy leg day. So I just did body weight leg exercises. And even though I didn't get like as hard of a workout in that day, like I still ate the same amount of food. You know, I still fueled myself properly and didn't have the thought of like, well, because I didn't work out hard today, that means I have to cut back on my calories to like make up for it. Yeah, it's completely different. And again, the reminder is that you can get back to your life, but you have to address 
the mindset and the motive behind it. And you have to be willing to set your ego aside and do things slow. Like yeah. you have to like, and what, what yeah, yeah, go other, ahead. What was that other question you asked me? What was the second part to the question where I was like, I have a good answer for that. <laughs> Less. I feel like it was so good that I just let it come out of my mouth. And then was it something like, how do I like live in my larger body and like, even if people don't like and not worry about what other people say or something. Oh my gosh. It's such a good question. It was a good question. You know, someone, someone messaged in. <laughs> Y'all like listen back to it. And maybe that'll be what we pick up on next time. Cause I can't remember for the life of me. No, it's just so good that it slipped our minds. Sorry for the letdown, everyone. I like built that up and then we can't remember. Well, that means that you're going to listen to part three of <laughs> Megan's story. And so I'm excited to kind of just see where she's at. Um, yeah, I feel like part of the question came back. Now I can't. Now like I can't even focus. Okay. Okay. Well, there it is. Oh, I remember what is it. it. <laughs> It was, what is something it? Along, it was something along the lines of like, how do I like stop myself from like going back to my old body or something? No, I did say that living your life now doesn't like, like regaining your life isn't you going back to a smaller body. Yeah. So I think it was like, how do you stop? How do I like? keep myself from like okay. I guess I think doing damaging behavior something like that I'll just add this like yeah my my recovery was so horrific that I never <laughs> want to experience that again and also too I'm just in a place of such awe and gratitude for my body that honestly all I want to do is nourish it and take care of it and I heard this on another podcast where you know there's like a happy medium to everything because taking care of your body is making sure that you nourish it enough. But also it's not that we overstuff ourselves because that's not taking care of yourself either because then you're putting too much like strain on mm -hmm. your body. If And this is more so like once you're recovered and stuff, like I, I totally get it. You kind of have yeah. to eat above and beyond like when you're trying to get your first period back. But like when you're recovered and you're like trying to find a happy middle ground again, it's just about like nourishing yourself to satiety. And it doesn't mean you always have to like overeat. And that's what we're saying. Like health and taking care of your body. It's like, I promise there is a middle ground mm -hmm. on the other side of this. And I don't know if this will quail anyone's fears. I talked about gaining a hundred pounds, I don't weigh myself anymore, but I also know that I'm losing some of the weight as well. And my body is finding oh, a middle I ground. It. I remember it, but we're out of time. But the question is, how do you leave your body alone? Oh, and basically what I just said is like my, my journey, HA recovery was too horrific. Don't want to go back there. And also like, I'm just so focused on taking care of it. And I just want to feel strong. Like mm -hmm. I love running and feeling strong. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep my body in good fighting condition so I can keep doing the things that I love. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Megan, diggers, <laughs> cl 
Cludy Vigors, Megan Cludy Vigors, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on in a couple months to let us know what next thing that you're going through, post-recovery, all those different types of things, all of it. So again, thank you for spending your time with us. And one other plug on my end. Oh, yes. If you, if, if you want to hear more from me, I did start a blog just because I yes. needed an outlet to like process all that. So I'm sure Ashley and Mishu will put it in the show notes. Absolutely. But if you want to hear if you want to hear more about my story, you can go there. Yes. Y'all need the details, like get the deets. All of it. <laughs> all right. Thank you, babe. Yep. Thank you. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about TempDrop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code so just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code afha society i think too if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, afha society at the checkout 
that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp from my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.